0: the name Rodman Flender often reminds me of the name Scatman Crothers. Do you know who Scatman Crothers is? Yeah. Did you know that there was a sitcom on NBC in 1982 starring Dana Carvey, Mickey Rooney, Nathan Lane, Scatman Crothers, and Meg Ryan?
1: I don't think it's unreasonable that I didn't know that. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't like me testing, uh, me seeing how good you are at knowledge. Um, But I just, that is mind-blowing to me. Um, It was called One of the Boys, and I know nothing else about it. Dana Carvey mentioned it offhand on his podcast, Fly on the Wall, and um, I was like, wait, why aren't we talking more about that (laughs)
1: Oh do you have a description for me at least or nope. like a plot or anything? <laughs> I'm going to I, don't, I'll look, I I'll can look at
0: I'm going have it in front of me but I don't I don't want to I don't want to come off as somebody who knows uh I don't want to come off as a Cliff Clavin I didn't know this.
1: Can I can I read what I got here? Absolutely you can. Is this even the right one? What what channel was it on? NBC. Maria Conchito Navarro is the main character. She's a Venezuelan immigrant to the United States who That's begins That's not work- the right show but it says one of the boys oh i see oh so this is that <laughs> there's a 1989 show called one of the boys <laughs> i was like and it, this is on nbc too that's that's well so i guess that's why they that, that's crazy they had two one of the boys within a decade within a decade on nbc that's so stupid
0: yeah i'm looking for the other one of the one of the boys
1: uh tv guide ranked it number 24 on its 50 worst shows of all time in 2002. That's the correct one. That's the correct one. Yes. Oliver Nugent, played by Mickey Rooney, was a spry senior citizen who, along with his friend, Bernard Solomon, played by Scatman Crothers, leave their nursing home and move in with their college-age grandson. Oh, I hate this already. Move in (laughs) with their college-age grandson, Adam Shields, played by Dana Carvey, who was attending Sheffield College in New Jersey, and his roommate, Jonathan Burns, played by Nathan Lane. Also involved is Adam's girlfriend, Jane Meg Ryan, and their landlady, Mrs. Greer, played by Francine Beers, who is more than than in trance with Oliver. That's awful.
0: Yeah. Also, um, now at this point, I know Mickey Rooney is Mickey Rooney, but when I first heard it, the thing that first made me Google it was um, I often get Rooney and Rourke confused, and I was like, Mickey Rourke was in a sitcom with... (laughs) (laughs) And they were talking about Mickey Mickey Rooney though, like for a bit of the episode and I kept thinking of Mickey Rourke because the context was like he was being such an asshole. And I was like, So they're definitely talking about Mickey Rourke. <laughs> but they weren't.
1: Um Clevon Little had a couple guest starring uh performances on that. The guy from Blazing Saddles. Olympia Dukakis was also in that show. We always I, we're like we're like low key also a sitcom podcast.
0: <laughs> that is, I, I I've been thinking about trying to do some sort of column about like, did you know that this sitcom existed? Because I am fascinated by false starts. Fall start by false starts and fall starts. Shows that are shows that just like last one season and then they're like, because there's always a bunch every year. But then like you forget about them and then like decades later when I find out about them, like that was a thing. Not even just sitcoms but other shows like Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Uh the late Glenn Fry was like start in, like, a police drama one year. <laughs> like, it was just forgotten after a few episodes.
1: They become relics because a lot of the times the people that do them go on to bigger and better things. And it's actually a good thing yeah. for their careers that they got canceled, because if they had been on this long-running series, then maybe they might have been attached to that and kind yeah. of boxed in, and who knows what could have been the ripple effect of...
0: Well, that's a big thing. They it, That's true of every show, and they talk, they talk about it a lot, though, with the cast of Friends, because most of, like, two or three of them were tied to other shows when when it was beginning so like jennifer aniston was in second position like she was tied to another show but they banked on the fact that her other show wouldn't get picked up uh for another season and then like it was gonna because they were like they didn't want her to go to this network and matthew perry at the same time also is in another show that wasn't picked up called lax2194 um, have I told you about this? LAX 2194 is about baggage handlers at LAX in the year 2194. I
1: feel like I remember them talking about this on the reunion special on HBO I think Max. I they did at yeah. some point.
0: There, there was, I only saw, I can't find it, it's not online anymore, but there's, there's a couple clips from the show you could see, but there was one that I can't find anymore that had Matthew Perry in it. Um, Ryan Stiles was also in it.
1: <laughs> Who's that?
0: Ryan Stiles. Um, uh, Whose Line is it anyway? He was on that show. He's a tall guy on Whose Line. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like imagine if Meg Ryan was stuck to one of the boys. We should, she wouldn't ha- she wouldn't be able to star in like 3 of our 29 movies that we reviewed on this podcast.
0: And and she wouldn't have met Dennis Quaid, presumably. She wouldn't have had Jack Wade, and he wouldn't have done The Boys.
1: It's true. There's it wow. a ripple effect in saying
0: one of the boys the boys.
1: Yeah. There's something there. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, okay. Okay. That's fine.
0: Yeah. Look, it was a <laughs> it was a stretch, but it's a Thursday.
1: Hey, we go a while between recording these things, so uh, <laughs> greasing I, up the wheels every time. So, so <laughs> right, right. So the uh, the latest episode that you guys listened to last week, um, or a couple weeks ago, depending on when this one comes out. What, what was our last review? I can't even remember right now. It was oh futile and stupid gesture, and I. Had forgotten I forget sometimes the content that we talk about because we go so far in advance. And my girlfriend who was listening to the podcast was like, Nick keeps repeating this joke about Keenan and Kel. And I was like, I literally don't even remember what that was.
0: Oh, like she was just listening to the episode. I th- but I wasn't repeating it on multiple episodes.
1: Well, I was like, well, I was like what I was looking in our group chats and everything. I was like, what is she talking about? Like, where is he doing this? And she was oh, like, no, was it's like, on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it was it's been a month and I don't even remember what the, what was it?
0: <laughs> uh, it was probably I Put the Screw in the Tuna.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was I it. Was, when I was editing that episode,
0: it did occur to me, you asked me, what made you start watching King and Kel? And I said, I don't remember, but I know it was something super random. I now know what it is and it's so random that I want to share it with you um the cvs so they ban plastic bags in new york city right the cvs near me um when you do self-checkout you can put stuff in paper bags and whenever i use a paper grocery bag i think about keenan thompson because his job was at a grocery store on keenan tell and he keenan tell he would put stuff in paper bags and i thought about it at self-checkout one day i go every time i do this i think about keenan thompson i'm gonna watch the show and <laughs> i watch the show Should and then thought- it went for like a whole thing. We talk about the SNL shakeup.
1: Yeah. Mix of that slash how he did at the Emmys. Oh. It's been a big Keenan month because, I mean,
0: yeah. Know. So, I I I like him. And, you yeah, know, I thought, even when funny people host the Emmys, it's like, it's fine. Um, I thought it was kind of as good as it can be. Um, but, um, I, I like the kind of, like, Keenanification of of, uh, NBC lately like he's been he's been more of a face on it there was a period of time even years into like his SNL run where he just seemed to like always trying to just like be hanging in the background um and then like I don't know if it was anything behind the scenes or if he got like a different publicist or something or if it was just like him going through something personally or something but he kind of became like much more like um kind of like outgoing and like uh like interview friendly kind of it seemed
1: that show now needs him to be the f- the and, front and, man.
0: and now it yeah it makes sense because
1: so. of all the people that have left. He he has a I enjoy him. He has a very safe brand of comedy that is very accessible for network audiences. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and they built a lot of the bits from the Emmys around that. I thought some of them far too vague and broad, or not vague, yeah, far I too broad, kind of, like so- the like the the different theme songs and whatever montage at the beginning. I thought was kind of weird and.
0: Yeah, I thought, I was kind of surprised that like it, his the comedy, like the jokes were kind of that broad. But he is, I, I'd say he almost kind of is more of like has a blank slate. Like he doesn't really have a brand attached to his comedy. I feel like like other people do on on the show. He kind of just like does whatever and is able to fit in with whatever. Most SNL sketches are gonna be pretty broad, but um, but I feel like he can mostly like do 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 whatever.
1: Should we talk about the rumor that he got his uh, he got Chris Red kicked off the show?
0: Yeah. Do you think it's true or no? So the rumor on Dumois—that is that how you say it—was um, somebody said that Keenan got Chris Red kicked off of the show because Chris Red was because Keenan's wife was cheating on him with Chris Red.
1: I yeah. I thought it was—is it that or is it kind of like they've been divorced for a while and Chris Red is the rebound or like separated for so, a while?
0: The the post just said like they were they were cheating and then there was a photo of allegedly like the two of them together like walking down the street. Then I looked it up and it said that like Keenan and his wife had been they they're now he filed for divorce, but they had been separated for like a year. So I feel like it would be more of a, a rebound thing if it was true. But also like Chris Red was on Keenan. Yeah. Show. He
1: played his brother on yeah. Keenan. Yeah.
0: But also at the same time. They haven't done, and that show was canceled like a month before (laughs) he filed for divorce, but also, and also at the same time, like he, they haven't done anything together since like the beginning of this year. So I guess in theory, it could be true, but I, 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 I largely, I'm very entertained by Dumois, but it also annoys me because it's all crowdsourced blind items. And I think everybody reads everything as fact there. And it's like blind items used to come from people in the know, at least. But this is more just like, I think half of them are fake. And clearly the person who runs the account uh, started it, like, I think not knowing a lot about yeah. like the industry and stuff but it, like that.
1: What happens is a lot of it ends up being accurate somehow, too, is is the thing. Like, you know, I, 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 I agree with the sentiments that I, I do find it kind of obnoxious at points. But also at the same time, like, and we're going to talk about it in a few minutes, uh, a little bit of a spoiler for my what I've been watching with the Don't Worry Darling stuff, it was completely ahead of the game on that. Like, so... They were three months ahead of the Don't Worry Darling drama before it all kind of blew up at Venice.
0: I think it's getting a lot... I think there is, like, accurate stuff that gets there just by nature of what it is. Before there was, like, Dumois, there was... And there still is a site called Crazy Days and Nights. And, um... uh, It's run by, um... A guy who calls himself Enty, E-N-T-Y, which he's an entertainment lawyer. Um... And it has it posts blind items every day, like like a handful of them. and and uh, it has accurately stated it, it was writing about the Nexium cult for years before that came out, um, and who was involved with it and stuff like that. And so some of the stuff seem insane, but then they also have like a real track record of correct stuff of like, oh, this person is in the know, even if they're not right about everything. Um, like they at least know some stuff. They talked about, uh, a lot of the Epstein stuff that wasn't public, um, even though he was like a, a public figure. Um, and uh, there was something else too. He, they've He's like called a few different things. And I like that because it comes from one guy. So it's, or, or like a kind of team. And so it's like, all right, it's coming from people in the know. It's not a trustworthy source, but it feels more trustworthy than the person running Dumois doesn't even know. She's just sharing alleged info to like a wider audience, basically.
1: You don't think they ask for any kind of verification? You think they just take anything and publish it? Yes. Okay. I don't
0: think because I don't think you can give verification. Genuinely, yeah, genuinely the other thing, asking. The other thing that I hate also is that Dumas posts things that mean nothing, because the people just want to be a part of it and they'll they'll say, like, saw Sean Mendez eating uh eating lunch the other day, anon please, and uh <laughs> And uh, it's like that. You don't need to be a non for that. And I'm so excited because we're b reeling right now. (laughs) Andrew's first b reel. Second. Second b reel.
1: Every angle of this I get is terrible. Yeah, you kind of convinced me here.
0: Did you know on b reel after you take it, um, you can actually see how many tries it took somebody to take a photo?
1: Oh well, I just did three. (laughs) But (laughs) there's a way out.
0: There's a way out of it. You can uh, you can uh, if you close out of the camera and then reopen it again. It'll, uh, it'll like forget your number, I believe.
1: All right, this is good enough.
0: But if you hit the time.
1: Yeah, you talked about this enough that.
0: If you hit the time, it says like one retake. And I, I was so bummed when I saw that because all mine were like eight retakes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to seem chill. Um,
1: I <laughs> like we're having this serious conversation. I saw the <laughs> notification. I'm-
0: I saw it too, and then I like quickly forgot about it and was like why am i distracted and then when i saw you doing that i
1: i realized um, I, I, I think i'm gonna get yeah i think i'm gonna probably do this three more times and then be done with it but
0: i don't know be real is is, is uh it's a lifestyle <laughs> the man. trend the trend
1: will uh the, the trend will be over by the time that people get be to over. this bucket. yeah <laughs> be over. speaking uh, of being real i do want to give a shout out uh two of our seven listeners got engaged since the last time we recorded so congratulations to peter and marissa if you're listening out there that's
0: I like to think Cinema Chain Gang podcast had a little something to do with it.
1: I think we had negative percentage to do with it, but
0: people people <laughs> meet th- through our podcast. Some
1: say they had the Madagascar uh, episode in their AirPods while he got well, down on one <laughs> in Greece.
0: I think we don't know how they met. Could have been through uh, the pod.
1: Nothing says the beauty of Santorini <laughs> like the Cinema Chain Gang episode of Little Fockers.
0: <laughs> has uh, has the Cinema Chain Gang been to Greece as far as movies go? We haven't. Has any of our movies taken place in Greece? No,
1: I don't think so. Oh. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the movies we are talking about today.
0: Oh, congratulations to the listeners. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, welcome to the Cinema Chain Gang podcast. It's it's great to hear your celebrities shout you out on mic, right? I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Those two celebrities. I, I, that I we're submitted talking it about. to Dumas. They- <laughs>
1: <laughs> those two celebrities we're talking about. I'm Andrew J. That's Nick Ricardo. We are on numbers twenty-nine and thirty of our chain. This is chain number fifteen, right? If that math is correct, it should be because two times 15 is 30. Yep. Um, we last time left off with Seth Green. We took him from the large ensemble of A Futile and Stupid Gesture, the Netflix movie that chronicled the National, the National Lampoon. National Lampoon. Yes. You had to get those last two lines in there.
0: <laughs> well, because I had a segue there, but I realized that, yeah, it. yeah.
1: No. <laughs> so we take Seth Green from that. We're going to make a chain with Connie Ray in the middle that connects to Gina Davis, who, of course, is a well known star who had her peak probably in the 90s, but still is around and still does things. Yeah. Um, today's movie, we're going to be talking about stoner comedy Idle Hands, a 1999 black comedy horror film uh, with Seth Green in it and some other people, including Jessica Alba and Viva K. Fox. And next week, we are going to be talking about a childhood favorite of mine, a really nostalgic movie for me. So I'm very excited to talk about Stuart Little, which of course stars Gina Davis as the mother of Stuart Little, who is voiced by Michael J. Fox.
0: I'm excited that you're excited about Stuart Little more <laughs> yeah. than I'm excited about, more than me being excited about Stuart it's Little. It's going to be a lot of um,
1: backstory and talking about my experiences, watching it more than actually talking about the movie itself, probably. Okay. Although there are there is a good amount. I took a lot of notes on both these movies. I'm excited to talk about both of them. Uh, I think that I have thoughts on both of them more or like just fun Topics. We don't have anything heavy this week. There's no movies about Attica this week. You know, like yeah. we like we had. In the we last try to put weeks. at least
0: one Attica movie, <laughs> yeah, in there. Um,
1: <laughs> Once every thirty episodes, yeah. we'll talk about Attica.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, a cause we're passionate about. Um, Robman Flender was a writer for the Harvard Lampoon, which also feels like a nice um, little leap from the futile and stupid gesture. Now you have me saying futile, futile and stupid gesture. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, um backstory.
1: If you, have a, if you have a segue, raise your hand or something. How am I supposed to know? You just ended my sentence.
0: No, yeah, no, that was the wrong move. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's got to be like a... Do you think I put much thought into the way I function? <laughs> so I work on, as, as some of you probably know and others don't, I work on Mornings on One, uh, on New York One. Uh, and Pat Kiernan is our anchor who's celebrating on, on day of recording. Today's his 25th anniversary on uh, Air in the Mornings, which is congratulations to him if he ever hears this. Um, wow. But... He has well, a thing. That, but
0: then now that cheapens the special shout out that we gave to two of our listeners for getting engaged.
1: No, it doesn't. It's people that are important to me just on different you ways. Know, now we're just
0: handing out congratulations this episode?
1: <laughs> and it, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot of chatting on our show. Yeah. So he's mic'd up all the time. So what he has to do is he, if he wants like Jamie Stelter to talk, our traffic reporter and our, and our uh, chat extraordinary reporter, if he wants her to talk, he'll like point while like the package is running or like an anchor uh, or reporter is talking and it's like, he's like directing traffic. So we got to do more of That's what I'm saying. I'll just keep cutting you off. Yeah, I think that's fine. (laughs) I think I, speaking of, uh, things that come to your mind, that was a terrible trend. That was awful. Really bad. (laughs) This whole thing is, this whole podcast is things that come to your mind. Speaking of things that come to your mind. Uh, let's talk about what we've been watching. I'll let you go first.
0: Speaking of, um, Uh, Going first.
1: movies. Speaking of movies and TV.
0: (laughs) Um, I actually watched... um, I told you about this and uh, you had questions. Uh, I just saw Pearl. The sequel. Prequel. Prequel. To X. To X. A movie I have not seen. Um, I forgot that it was a prequel. And...
1: (laughs) Well, that's kind of good. It's self-contained.
0: So then I forgot to also watch X. And then when somebody reminded me that it's a prequel to X, I kind of was like... Project X, and, and it was like this, and then I was like, I'm not thinking of the right movie.
1: So, it's part of this really ambitious A24 project by director T West. Uh, X is a 70s exploitative horror movie, um, and Pearl is a prequel that takes place in the 20s, right? I believe the 20s, Something like that. right, right around World War One time, um, maybe a little, so a little earlier, maybe, um, and it chronicles the villain of X's turn to insanity basically. And then there's another one coming out next year that's a sequel to X. Um, I can't remember. I think it's called Triple X or something. They're all they all vaguely are about the porn porno industry um in different ways. Um so that's a sequel to X that'll be coming out either next year or the year after that. They are? Yeah. Uh, clearly you didn't say till the very end of the movie when they showed the teaser for that. No. Yeah. So.
0: No, but they're they're all about the porn industry?
1: Yeah. That's X. X is literally called X because they go to the farm to shoot a porno. Okay. And then from there. Pearl's uh, about it too? I mean, yeah. Is it not? I mean, he going into what Pearl's about. Mia Goth is Pearl. She wants to be an actress uh, and she is kind of already messed up in the head. And then she sees snuff films from the 1910s that are like popular internationally. And that kind of also stimulates her sexual awakening and in turn, stimulates her lust for violence.
0: Hmm. I, I guess I didn't really. Um, I didn't see the point. Like, I didn't see her watching those movies as like a catalyst for for any change in 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 her character in Pearl.
1: Well, it definitely is in X. <laughs> Things that happen in X show that the experiences of
0: okay that that makes sense. And does she does she play the character in X or is it she plays?
1: Actors? So in X, she plays the protagonist of X. I forget that character's name. I think it's Maxine. Hold on. Um, she plays an old age makeup, Pearl. Okay. Um, And she also plays, yeah, Maxine Minx, who is the main character of X. Um, okay. So you it's know, a I'm dual gonna, role.
0: I'm going to stop asking questions because the answers are giving me more questions. I, I'm just going to watch X at some They're point. are supposed
1: to be companions a little bit. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. What have you been watching?
1: Do, do you want to do anything else to say about Pearl's quality then? or
0: I I, I liked it. Um, I thought it kind of stood alone for what it was. And um, there, it just made me think a lot about direct. Uh, There's some movies that direct in a stylized way, but it's clear that it's not leaning into it. It uses cliches, but it's not leaning into them. It's just, it's doing them like in a nostalgic way if that makes sense. So there's a lot of like stylized directing in the movie. It's kind of like fast, like zoom ins to somebody looking out a window and things like that, that
1: it's supposed to evoke the movies of that period. Yeah. yeah.
0: It evokes movies of that period. And well, it just kind of made me, it was interesting to me because there's some kind of skill involved in, um, directing a movie that way, but making it clear that it knows that it's doing a movie that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the self-awareness that it's, evoking a retro style. It's evoking yeah. the style of the seventies in some ways, like the exploitation movies of the seventies. Um but this one in tone is also trying to satirize movies like Wizard of Oz and Sound of Music, the really whimsical, yeah. like, oh gosh darn it, I need to be a star kind of movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and Mia Goth is terrific here. I mean she really eats up this role. She has an incredible monologue that a lot of people are talking about that goes on for 8 to 10 minutes and on an unbroken take um, some people are clamoring for that to get like awards uh, that went on for 8
0: minutes? Mm -hmm.
1: really? Mm -hmm.
0: didn't feel like 8 minutes thought it was like a minute
1: no it was way more than a minute
0: really? Mm -hmm. oh okay
1: yeah so I mean uh, people are clamoring for her to win awards um, just for that I don't think it's going to happen but pearl monologue length it's definitely more than a minute but let's see Roughly ten minutes. Jeez. Some people are saying nine, some people are saying ten. So I actually shorted her a minute or two.
0: Is that the one? Is that the one at the you know where it kind of uh, all, all all I ever want us to be loved or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It,
1: it, it it takes place in a pivotal part in the movie, but it, but it's all unbroken, all at a table, and all just her got it kind of going through her motivations. Um, and
0: I remember that line from the monologue because I uh, saw the movie at Nighthawk and. uh, they serve like they they put cocktails on their menu that are named after the movies, and the drink that I had was a delight, and it was called what uh, whatever I just said all all you, I wanted all, you, to all I ever wanted to be loved.
1: That's fun. Yeah,
0: It's a good cocktail.
1: There's a place across from the AMC Kips Bay that does that um, with like the big blockbusters that are out. Like they had a Ghostbusters themed drink when Ghostbusters came out. Oh really? They had a Spider Man themed drink. What place is that? It's called oh, I don't remember. Okay. I've been there many times, too, but it's been a while. Um, I am watching another movie that came out around the same time as Pearl. Um,
0: 1940.
1: No. No. As I teased before, uh, Don't Worry Darling uh, has been in the news a lot.
0: Yeah, I plan on seeing it.
1: Um, It obviously has been in the news because of all the drama behind the scenes, which is like, there's all these rumors, Dumois rumors, and... Otherwise rumors from now the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and all the big trades that Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh like screamed at each other on set that Olivia Wilde would sneak off with Harry Styles, who is now her boyfriend. But at the time, she was still married to Jason Sudeikis, so they were doing inappropriate things. Uh, just like uh, there's rumors of a toxic environment on set. Florence Pugh didn't really do any press for the movie. Uh, Harry Styles may have spit on Chris Pine, although I think we've come to the determination that that no, didn't actually happen. Didn't happen. But it just added a little bit of fuel to the fire of everything. And ultimately made for a a more dramatic press tour than the movie itself, which in itself is a bit underwhelming. And I think that's kind of been the general consensus about, around it. Um, And I kind of agree with that general consensus. It's this 50s-esque uh, utopia that this these husbands and wives live in, where the husbands go off to work at a project called the Victory Project that a lot of people don't really know. The women have no idea what they do, and nobody really asks questions. And then Florence Pugh plays Alice, who starts to ask questions and things start to happen to her and to to leave it vague. You're trying to uncover the mystery of what's going on. Harry Styles is her husband, Jack. uh, And then there are other seedy characters at play, like uh, Olivia Wilde herself plays the nosy neighbor and Chris Pine is kind of like the spearhead of the entire project. And it's a movie that has like a compelling first half. Uh, Olivia Wilde really knows how to shoot a film. Um, She has a really good cinematographer in Matthew Libatique, who works a lot with Darren Aronofsky, who makes the movie look really lush in terms of production design and costuming and how he captures the angles of this utopia. Um, It has you on the hook for a while, and then it gets to the third act where something happens, specifically twisty, um, and you can either be on board with that or not. I wasn't necessarily off board with it, but the big problem is that I was completely underwhelmed with what happened after the twist once you find out once the shoe drops okay of what is actually going on if anything is actually going on you there, there's no payoff there's, so it has at,
0: to do with shoes you
1: you leave with more questions and answers which is bad for a movie that is very mystery box oriented you know
0: um i feel like it the reviews and criticism of the movie have been rebounding now is that not true
1: no not really I, I, I think there's uh, there's audience sentiment that has kind of been bolstered by people defending Harry himself and Florence Pugh. Uh, Florence okay. Pugh is terrific in the movie. Uh, Harry Styles is not terrific in the movie. He is passable sometimes, and then other times he's just not bringing the emotion needed for that very tricky role that he was cast in. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like they cast the name a little bit, or if right. you believe the rumors, Olivia Wilde cast someone she was attracted to. So, okay. I mean, that's the most I can say without like full-blown spoilers i do if you do end up seeing it maybe we can talk about it again later and i'm curious because and i also
0: i know that i got bad reviews and i was watching i was just watching the way that some of the late night hosts were were uh dealing with that while interviewing olivia wilde um and (laughs) and trying to praise the movie the way that they're supposed to um and it was interesting because what uh you know, I think like uh, between like I think it was like Colbert who say who who, who was basically like there. Well, one thing I will say about this movie is it. You know, i like I tried to like kind of like answer on the uh, compliment of sorts.
1: Um, but yeah, I want to check it out. It's an underrated skill of late night to have to promote a movie and be like ah. Oh this is so great. I watched it the other day. Like, no, you didn't. Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> you went to the bar and then went home.
0: So there is, um, Conan has now said since the show is over that the one he always used was, uh, people are talking about this movie. That was his, cause he's like, I never wanted to say that I had, uh, watched something that I didn't watch. He said, I always would say people are talking about
1: this movie. It's true. <laughs> people as in you and I are talking yeah. about this right now. Um, um yeah. But are, I also,
0: oh. I, that's, as a brief aside, that's also, uh, it makes me, I, I kind of like, I, I don't uh, look down on Fallon for him just positively reviewing everything because like that literally is his job. That's what he's supposed to do. And like it, it literally, it. He's that's the game.
1: I, I, think, I think he can cultivate his tone a little bit better. You know what I mean? He is so, he's so like positive that it's like watching a puppy dog interview these celebrities as opposed to somebody who will actually have a conversation with them
0: i think some of the positive i think a lot of the positivity is more just like more of caricature of people like doing impressions of him but i will say that he has uh he has tells like it, now that he's been on so long and has this routine he has tells where he, he, it's clear that he's not actually reacting to, to something which in most cases a host is not but his tells have, have gotten pretty clear in a way um like his, you know, and his his reaction to somebody will just be the same, like "oh my gosh" or like "no, don't say that" or something. And it's literally, it's just kind of like like a soundboard at times. Yeah. And other hosts do that too, but I think they're maybe just better. I think at Col- it. I think
1: Colbert and Kilmer are better at hiding it. Yeah. Or or at least when they're mixing up their responses, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah at least. Um. So that is not a recommendation of "Don't Worry, Darling" from me, but um, I, it's one of those movies you can form your own opinion about it. At least is an original piece. That Warren's discussion is just uh, for me. The discussion is uh, criticizing it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Pearl is also P- P- Pearl is worth your time. I would say, um, although I don't think I was as high on it as you were.
0: As high on Pearl, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Did I? Did I like? You said you liked it.
0: I said I liked it! Exclamation point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say it was decent.
0: Okay. Eh, Three out of five okay. stars. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm over around there. I remember when I said I, I very specifically said liked it and not loved it. <laughs> when, when I when I texted that,
1: should we get into our main review?
0: I think we should because, as they say, idle hands make the make the devil busy or something like that.
1: Yeah, well let's let's get that right because that's the whole reason this movie is called Idle Hands. <laughs> uh, idle Hands are the devil's playthings, or the devil makes work for idle hands is mm-hmm. the the reason this movie is called Idle Hands. It is directed by Rodman Flender, which I'll just let you talk about who that is because it was the first thing that you kind of pointed out when we.
0: Rob, well, I know Rodman Flender's work um, as the documentarian behind Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, the documentary that chronicles Conan's uh, basically his his a little bit of the aftermath of losing The Tonight Show and the prep for his legally prohibited from being funny on television tour, which is a live show that he did before he got the TBS show, TBS show and in the middle of getting the tbs show um and it's just like a kind of a road documentary performance documentary behind the scenes thing um uh look at, at that time in conan's life um and i love the documentary um partly because it, i'm fascinated by the subject matter but also i think it does like a pretty solid job of um um not getting in the way of documenting in a way i have thoughts on i i, I have a specific kind of uh like tour documentary basically that I like. And it's something like that, that uh doesn't kind of tr- um, try to like over, um over present itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just kind of lets the story happen in front of it. Um But so yeah, Robin Fl- Flender uh, directed that because I think him and Conan knew each other.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense that he has his roots in the comedy world. Uh Obviously knowing Conan and knowing a lot of the stars of this movie. Um, idle hands it's this 99 uh 1999 uh it is a partially a horror movie but it's mostly a stoner comedy and that's say it's,
0: it's, he also has a uh um roots he started out like working for and with roger corman so i think that kind of makes a lot of sense too
1: yeah um the extent of the movie's description <laughs> it's a really hard movie to describe uh because it it plays by its own rules and <laughs> it's, it's, really, you do
0: it. it's really
1: it's <laughs> really it's 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 a ridiculous movie uh but whether that's a good thing or not we'll get to in a bit um Devin sala is our main character he plays anton uh who's kind of this stoner slacker who lives in this suburban uh neighborhood um and i mean there's no really other way to say it he he's so lazy that his hands literally become demonic right one hand one hand literally becomes demonic um the movie has a cold open where Fred Willard and uh, Connie Ray, uh, who is the reason we're watching this movie in terms of the connector to Stuart Little, um, they play his mother and father, and they. Uh, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a spoiler to say because it's the inciting incident of the plot. They bite. Mm-hmm. They bite the dust. Uh, they are brutally killed by something, and what we find out is that <laughs> Anton is so lazy. It's just. It's just ridiculous to say Anton is so lazy that his hand has become possessed by a demon and is going out and killing people outside of his own free will, basically. Yes. Um, so it puts everybody in his circle in jeopardy, including his two stoner friends, Mick, played by Seth Green, uh, and Peanut, played by Eldon Henson, who's best known for playing uh, Foggy Nelson on uh, Daredevil, uh, the Netflix show, and a bunch of the other Marvel Netflix shows. The two of them... Uh, take on a specific form throughout the movie and play a specific role that I don't want to spoil quite yet, but we'll get into it in a little bit. So the whole movie is basically Anton like trying to figure out how to fight this demonic hand that's literally attached to him, and it, 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 yeah. it's it's a ridiculous premise. He has the girl next door that is also uh, captured the apple of his eye, uh, Molly, played by Jessica Alba in a really early role for him for her, and then you have uh, Debbie, who is this. It, it, she's just like a person who goes around the country and is trying to. I,
0: I was shocked at how little of a role um, time wise
1: she played in the movie. Yeah. And she's played by <laughs> Vivica Fox is why you're saying that. Yeah.
0: Well, and, but I also I mean, I thought when it was set up that she was going to be such a more. I, I, she was integral in part of the plot. Sure. But like she I thought she was going to be a more a bigger presence in the movie and a more integral part uh as far as like time spent on screen goes
1: yeah listen this is this is a movie that is not going to warrant a lot of serious discussion from us it is campy it's goofy it's very ridiculous and doesn't doesn't play by a lot of rules it, it doesn't really care what you think of it because it's, mm-hmm. it's got that it's got the urgency of like a scream or like a movie of that 90s era i know what you killed i know what you did last summer or whatever those kind of teen right. slashers but it also has the energy of a a stoner movie like a uh, half-baked or something like that from that era. Um, it's it's kind of just like a laid-back, silly movie that you're just not really supposed to take seriously. Critics did not like it back in the day. I It seems to have gathered a bit of a renaissance. If you look at the Letterboxd ratings, I think it's in the threes, which is a, hmm. better than... I mean, let me let me make sure I'm not making that up. But I, I, the The ratings were better than I expected from modern audiences. It might have a little bit of a cult status to it, uh, and I could see why, because I will say, as as much as I seem like a grump sometimes on the show, I do like to go with movies that at least entertain me. And this movie is not good, but it also is. I had a good time with it because it's so ridiculous and stupid. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those good so bad it's good movies. You know what I mean? In my opinion,
0: right? Yeah, I I I do I know what you mean. Um, I I kind of go back and forth on whether that I feel that way about this movie.
1: Um, yeah, 3.1 on Letterboxd, which is way higher than I expected, to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, that, that definitely sounds right. Or it doesn't sound right, rather. It sounds, I, I mean, I, I, it's also higher than I expected. I, um, I had, so I, it's, I know that there can't be a lot of serious discussion about it, but I also
1: are going to bring up a serious point about it. Well,
0: I know that I can't take it seriously, but that there were things that bothered me about it.
1: You can say it didn't entertain that, you. I think that's totally a, you know, a fair route. Right. To take, no, but I am
0: I think there I just like there were some, you know, not a, like kind of plot holes and stuff like that, that even though it's a not serious movie, I'm like, I wanted that filled where like I don't really. I, 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 there were just like moments like that. There were it was where I was like this, that that wouldn't happen. Come. Yeah, I guess. It just so like at the beginning of at the beginning of the movie, um Vivica a. Fox's character um is like looking at all these news stories of um uh different where all these murders have taken place and she puts Xs on a map and then she figures out basically that the devil is like driving all these and the way she figures it out is that <laughs> yeah. she she looks on the map and then like connects all the Xs and makes like the satanic star or whatever but it it just felt like such a leap like first of all i went back and looked and she didn't even connect all the stars and second of all like there was a hundred other ways to connect them and like it and i would let that slide like if it was made dumber and like the joke was supposed to be that but it didn't strike me as like they're doing this as a
1: joke does that make sense sure yeah so it's a matter of tone for you then you You don't think it's a it
0: didn't seem like they were making fun of that logic there.
1: I don't think, yeah, I don't think they were. I think I just think it's like a movie that didn't really care about the details that much.
0: Yeah, and so I think and that's that's where it's like detail it it, it lost me in its details. There was another point where, um, later in the movie, the characters hanging from a rope and there's a blade going on top, right? And then, like she's pulled back up and killed in the blade. But I, when I watched that, I was like, that wouldn't have happened because the blade would have cut the rope that she was hanging from before she was pulled up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So things like that—that that they're not directing issues, but they're um, uh, like issues of logic or of planning. Yeah, in it, the writing of it, if that makes sense.
1: And I think there's, a, I think there's a intent and purpose to that based on the whole idea of the stoner genre like we kind of slap this together and we're 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 trying to we're trying to make this mm. this kind of slapdash stupid movie that you know and also it's a, a stoner could have made himself yeah or and it's
0: some, something that's true of a lot of 90s movies um early 2000s movies things but particularly of, of i think this movie it's a very thirsty movie oh yeah <laughs> they they try to shoehorn sex in wherever they can in the movie
1: yeah but jessica alba's character is so 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 poorly written but so, <laughs> she like her her one trait is that she writes poems one of the poems appears to be titled shut up world as we look inside of the notebook that anton yeah, brings her so
0: that was another thing that bothered me was he reads her notebook with with her lyrics in it and then when she gets mad at him for it he says like oh man some of like my favorite stuff is in there and then he sings one of them he would not know how the song goes if he just read the lyrics in a notebook
1: i i think the implication was that he's been eavesdropping before but yeah
0: but he hasn't heard her music
1: <laughs> I, I, maybe he was listening through the window i don't know i i think we i think we're talking too micro we need to expand so a little is bit my, here but yeah. that's
0: my my issues with it were micro if that makes sense
1: that's fine yeah totally
0: um it uh, on a larger level, but uh, I also I don't know. It, it, I, I I get that all '90s movies were like that, but it just felt like just felt like a really thirsty movie, kind of like it, it felt too much. And it it is. I'm kind of uh, there's something you know. Movies like this, it made and a lot of the movies of that era, it made me realize that they they're similar to what Nickelodeon does for kids. Nickelodeon for kids. Usually has plots that revolve around what if the kids are in charge, um, on like a secondary level. So like the everything exists in a world where the kids are in charge in some way, or are or the parents are the dumb comic foils and the kids are or whatever. Like the dad from Drake and Josh is a caricature, right? Mo- this is kind of the next step in in it, this is the adolescent version of that. Everything in movies like this takes place in a world where it's what if the beautiful girl was inexplicably attracted yeah. to the rando when, like main character, underdog when, main character. When,
1: when she when the, when the boy brings the notebook to her, she answers the door in her underwear because she's so yes. <laughs> interested. He's covered in blood.
0: In... She doesn't say anything. Like, yeah. like, it's just like what if you you could throw whatever at the character and she still is like.
1: It's a good characterization because I, I there's a thing that happens. There, there are horrific things that happen in this movie that don't seem to bother anybody. Like, he murders both his parents, uh, whether <laughs> intently or not, and, like, doesn't seem to miss them at all because he just has... the First of all, he's the place to himself now, and second of all, he's worried about the girl, and third of all, he's got his friends now, who he also kills. Uh, Seth Green gets a bottle deep in his head, and the other guy gets de- uh, decapitated. decapitated, and they his cap was detated I, from his head I, 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 I forget why they come back to life but they come back to life and they're there as his sidekicks through the whole movie zombie sidekicks he you know like they, they they're still eating munchies and they're still trying to smoke and they're still trying to hook up with girls even though they're necromancers at this point and it's like yeah it's it's it's
0: it's a mix of girls be the necromancers yeah,
1: yeah okay yeah but they're, they don't know they're, that they're, they they're corpses and whatever yeah um <laughs> The, I don't think it's point, weird
0: for a corpse to want to sleep with an, an alive person.
1: The point is, is that it feeds into your fantasy thing where it's like,
0: yeah, so but that too, I, I, it wasn't just my girl that too. I had issues with like, again, I know that I can't take it seriously and it's not supposed to be taken seriously. But is it is it unfair that it, it, it bothers me? that those two characters come back as zombies but nobody else ever does and the only reason that they came back is literally because like they're like we decided not to go to the light like that does not
1: that, yeah I mean you're fighting a losing battle here there's no logic here that's the point I know but that's so that's like even in a movie that's illogical like at a certain point if you found it bothering you then you didn't like the movie then you know like it's there's no but, but there's what no I'm reco- saying... there's no recompense there you but know what
0: I'm but what I'm asking really what I'm a- like, genuinely asking this is Does this movie just not have to have a sympathetic character? Like, do the rules of creating a sympathetic or likable character not apply if the movie is balls to the wall, like just going for absurdity? Because I feel like it still does. I feel like it's still a problem that this kid killed his parents, and I don't really like him. And sure, the devil did it, but that's also what 60% of murderers who kill their parents say in real life. So I was just thinking a lot about that, <laughs> like, like I was thinking about like I, I.
1: The, you were not. Their, you what were, is
0: his? What 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 is his end game?
1: Yeah, this is not the. This was not the right mindset to watch this movie with.
0: I but I and I know it wasn't, but I still think that he should have at least been concerned because you know what it just feels like. I, it it's the same thing as why, and I'm not saying it's bad, but I never could get into the eric andre show it's the same thing it just it feels like when it could go in too many different directions i'm just like this is not interesting to me because you could literally do whatever you
1: want yeah And, and i think for some people that works uh i it doesn't it doesn't really compel me one way or the other i had fun with the absurdity of the premise uh when i saw the title of the movie and i saw the poster i was like oh this looks like it's gonna be like kind of like a just a cheap stupid not even a comedy just like a like like just like a stupid '90s horror movie that was forgotten, and then for it to be be so much more insane and ridiculous than I expected was kind of a pleasant surprise. It gave me a little bit of juice to like be like, okay, what the hell are they gonna do next? Um, and certain so, like he like he cuts his hand off, uh, and it, that still doesn't finish the job or whatever. And and then like there's a point at the end where he.
0: Like, it didn't bother you that he didn't feel any pain, basically? No.
1: (laughs) Not the right... It's not the right arena to care about that stuff.
0: But I... Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I just... Yeah. And look, I I actually... I was... Thoroughly keyed into it, too. I was watching the movie. Uh, I wasn't not entertained. Because I was, like watching it whether for good or bad reasons and I and I think it was a mix
1: Yeah, um, I, just like some of the solutions to their problems if we're going to skip to the end they have this uh, spring, uh, homecoming dance or whatever that is the big climactic place where the movie ends and the hand is about to kill Jessica Alba and they, they stop it by like smoking weed in its face and like mellowing it out and then killing it or something like that and it's like <laughs> I, I, I can't remember the specifics of how they do it but it's like <laughs> the hand to like create to create uh, itself more as a weapon puts its, its nails in a in a pencil sharpener and sharpens the nails so that it's even more okay. uh, villainous.
0: Okay. So like, I, like- I missed the part where where it sharpened its own nails and I was wondering how its nails got so sharp.
1: Yeah, it's, it goes it kills the principal who's right. on the phone randomly with, that a,
0: problem from my notes with the phone
1: sex operator and then stand, it sticks his hand in a <laughs> pencil sharpener. and.
0: <laughs> Another example of a scene that did not have to have anything to do with sex. No. It did.
1: Yeah, like,
0: uh,
1: Vivica, Vivica A. Fox's character, I will say has no purpose in this movie really other than to like provide like a knife to kill the demon or something like that.
0: Who, who was um at the beginning they they, this is just something I should know but at the beginning they like show like a serial killer or something guy with a long beard who was arrested in like Beaverton, Utah or something like that I had no idea there was like a part at the beginning where they cut to other cities and it's when she's looking she makes that like devil map and stuff and I thought he would come back and he never did
1: it's probably past places where the hand was possessed or something like that I don't know
0: and, okay i see so that she's okay. been
1: tracking the hand so that was
0: gonna be the other, okay so
1: she's that's her whole whole thing she's tracking the tracking he didn't
0: the, go to those other places and kill anybody
1: no no I, I think the implication is that other hands were possessed i thought at least and then maybe she it probably those hands probably <laughs> it's so ridiculous to talk about those hands probably did their deeds and then killed the person who or got them arrested or something or whatever got it yeah i mean
0: so the hands all did that And then they did it to form a giant shape of a pentagram.
1: Yeah, yes. Your deep sigh sigh is warranted, but at the same time, it's like, why why even bother worrying about this?
0: I think in my ideal world, there is something that separates a comedy film from a hour and a half sketch. And I think that thing is... Logic and rules, <laughs> and so I think I think it just bothers me when there's not a lot of it in there. Right.
1: So so what so what's wrong with it though? If it's an hour and a half sketch, I mean,
0: um, in theory, nothing. It's just I, I this is not a real. This is an arbitrary. This is an unfair requirement of my own making. But like, just not a not a film to me. <laughs> like it's its own thing.
1: Yeah, in its in traditional rules, it's like it David doesn't. S. Pumpkins. It, it doesn't have story or characters or compelling arcs or anything like that it just kind of things just kind of happen it's like it's like they wrote it in 25 minutes and we're like what's the craziest stuff we can do and they just kind of stacked it on top of each other and I think if you go in with that mindset you can you can get 90 minutes of enjoyment out of this again I'm never I'm never gonna like go to bat for this movie I just think it in terms of what it was trying to do it wasn't entirely unsuccessful you know Mm -hmm. what I mean it definitely was the kind of thing that like teenagers snuck into a in the in the Halloween season of nineteen ninety nine and like mm-hmm. maybe smoked a bowl beforehand and just laughed at the stupid things that were on the screen.
0: Um I well uh, by the way, this also I think is the most timely a movie that we've chosen has ever been because uh we're entering October. This mo- this will be an October episode and it was a Halloween movie. Um I I don't even I don't want to come off like I didn't like I hated the movie. Because it's not like I have, I'm perfectly fine with this movie existing. I, it more just raised questions for me about what I allow and don't allow in movies. Like what, as far as like what I have problems with, I guess. I I did not not enjoy watching it by any means.
1: This might just be not be like a genre for you too.
0: That being said, I also want to say it might have been my least favorite movie that we've covered on the podcast.
1: Really? Yes, oh but but
0: not in terms of quality. What? Yeah, but not in terms of quality.
1: Your least favorite, I think. Like worse than Little Fockers.
0: So that's the thing. I don't want to. It's not worse than Little Fockers.
1: You enjoy Little Fockers more, is what you're saying.
0: I don't know. That's, I don't know. That's
1: uh, that's. I'm insane. not saying
0: that it's of better of worse quality than Little Fockers. But I am saying.
1: But like what? Like Little Fockers does nothing too, and it's less interesting. Little Fockers does not have a story. It has the bare bones of characters doing well, shit. I mean, look, when I said and...
0: this, I forgot about Little Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: see. Well, let's bring up... I think I need to go back,
0: by the way, and lower my Little Fockers rating, because whatever it was was too high.
1: Let, but... let's, let's take a look at the list of... I'm trying to pull up the list of movies that we've we've talked about here because this is a serious accusation to say this is the least – your least favorite of the movies that we've but talked
0: it, about. It Also – but I no, it's not a serious accusation because my favorite or least favorite means nothing, not even within my own world. Like it's so arbitrary. Like it – there are no reasons for my favorites and least favorites of things if that makes sense.
1: But so you like – so yeah, I mean you've got Little Fockers, Born to Ride is another one that I had a lot of issues with. You enjoyed watching Born to Ride more, I'm guessing?
0: There, it was not as fun to watch, <laughs> but there, I don't know, maybe it was just more interesting to see uh, an attempt at that genre at that time or something like that. What about the crew? I genuinely took me like seven seconds to remember, I remember which what one the i it is. is. <laughs> I know I've made this joke before, but I was genuinely thinking about the Kevin James show when you said it. Oh. Just, um, um, okay. No, that's fair. No. Okay, I take it back. The crew is the crew is worse. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say this is in the middle of the pack of the things in terms of enjoyment. I did like this more than I thought I would. I definitely liked it more than like if we're talking recent comedies. I Thought this was way better and more interesting than Opening Night, um, which I thought, which I know we've talked about and debated, and I, I thought was okay. really sloppy and fell flat in a lot of in a lot of cases. Whereas at least this this movie at least captivated me in terms of just like absurdity. Um, talking about is that okay what
0: at a certain point isn't the captivation a negative
1: though no it, I will always take bad entertaining over boring entertaining but isn't
0: the fact that it's bad entertaining okay so that becomes so a bad it's part.
1: good so bad it's good bad and boring pretty clear pretty easily you put.
0: You should explain on mic that you really- so bad it's good
1: <laughs> above bad and boring
0: um okay um so I, I am not drawing comparisons here but let me just let's go back to our uh, let, let's Switch gears for a second. Does that mean if you take a movie like The Room and then you just take a generic shitty movie,
1: The Room is better.
0: You say The Room, and I understand why it's more enjoyable to watch. Are you giving it a better rating too?
1: Yes, because it earns entertainment value from turn it going. So it it hits a threshold of bad and all circles back around to being good again. Never, never gets to good. But if you look at right, my own, but part- it,
0: so the ratings, so you're basically that's interesting. So the ratings in your mind are my malleable, mind. or are or are, are not even uh, graded on a curve. But the the ratings do not have to reflect intent.
1: Not necessarily, no. Okay. It 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 in, it in yeah. It, it's a it's a mix of everything. It's a mix of skill. If okay. you look in my ratings of one to ten and my every movie ever list. In the five to six range, you'll find movies like *The Room* and *The Happening*, movies that are, and *Idle Hands*, which is probably a like a five, two and a half out of five stars, five out of ten movie for me because it's a bad movie, but it, it's a fun watch. You know what I mean? Okay. You find a balance. You find a balance, and you don't reward it for being a good movie, like six and above. But mm-hmm. you, but you give it points for at least. Having a jeneshi quoi or whatever, you know what I mean? Like a yeah. like a certain quality to it that elevates it above something that fucking sucks and is just boring, like little fuckers, and is it made with no no ingenuity and no mm-hmm. kind of passion behind it. It's just everybody doesn't look like they want to be there. In this movie, it looks like everybody wants to be there and is trying to find some kind of enthusiasm, even if it's not working. Like Jessica Alba, still a terrible actress, but at least she's there having fun. Seth Green does his thing, you know what I mean. Elden Henson does his thing, um, you yeah, know. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. So yeah, it's in a way it almost comes down to more of a semantic. Um, it's almost like we agree, but are having different semantics about it.
1: Yeah, um, huh. I, I don't really have much more to say about this. I mean, like uh, it, it's it's it, it is funny that like slasher films usually punish the potheads and kill them first or second in the order of chains. And in this movie, the pothead is the one that survives at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and pretty much everybody, every major character sur- survives. If you count Seth Green and Elden Henson surviving.
0: At the beginning, I thought they were going for a kind of um, reefer madness vibe, kind of, where they were like, or, or not vibe, but moral, where they were like, the stoners were possessed or something. Yeah. Which uh, is not I, I I know it's not the case because that would be reading into it too much, which we have established one should apparently not do with this movie.
1: I'm I'm not a part of the podhead community, but I assume that the the uh, the bowl he has that is also an asthma inhaler was very influential for a lot of people in the late '90s. Like, oh, I need oh, something. Oh yeah, like I don't that.
0: know if that was a real thing or not, but but seems smart. You now we're podheads over here. Huh. As in podcast.
1: Uh, any final thoughts on Idle Hands?
0: That was my final
1: thought. That was a good. <laughs> that was a pretty good final thought. Uh, I, I forget. I, I forget if we said it, but Connie Ray, the whole linking piece of this, she plays the main character Anton's mother, who gets brutally killed at the end at, in this movie. Um, right at the beginning, uh, where she gets dragged under the bed, and you just see a giant splatter of blood just kind of pop out uh, from under the bed. This, this movie does get gory at points but again it's so it's so over the top and looks so bad that it's like oh that's kind of funny um -hmm. it's a mild recommendation for me if you go in with your expectations in check uh do not expect shakespeare here um but it does better than some of the other things that we've talked about
0: sure i'd rather watch this than any shakespeare movie genuinely
1: (laughs) i don't know if i would go that far but I i would um that'll do it for this week's episode of the cinema chain gang podcast episode number 29 we move from Idle Hands and Seth Green, we say goodbye to him. We use Connie Ray to get over to Gina Davis, and we're going to be talking about the adaptation of Stuart Little, which I think also came out in 1999, if I am not mistaken. I want to say 98 or 99. Yeah, so uh, I was correct. So two 1999 movies in this part chain. I just assumed you are correct with movie years. Yeah, right? and I was right. So there you go. For Nick Ricardo, I'm Andrew J. The chain continues. Rip Papouli, Rip Ray, and Rip Tony.